0: We made this.
1: Hello and welcome to Life's Milestones, the podcast here on the We Made This podcast network about life's milestones. That's birth and naming ceremonies relationships and weddings and death and funerals. I'm your host Mark and I am a humanist celebrant. That means that I am accredited and trained by Humanists UK to be a life cycle celebrant. That is, someone who can perform non-religious namings, weddings and funerals for you. My guest this time is a friend of mine, Carl Bryan. Carl Bryan is one of those wonderful people who will do anything for anybody. He's such a lovely man and I do mention in the interview with him that he created the logo for this very show. He also created the logo for all of the other podcasts that I do as well but I'll talk about that after the interview with Carl. I have podcasted with Carl lots of times so again i I'll tell you at the end of the show where you can find more of us chatting if you did enjoy what you were listening to. Before the interview, I'm just going to quickly update you with some celebrant news. The High Court has ruled for the legalisation of humanist marriages. Basically, this landmark case means that it's not a matter of if humanist marriages will be legally recognised in England and Wales, but when. And by law, that means that English and Welsh non-religious people have been discriminated against and it is now time for the government to act. Anything more than that, we are waiting on the reforms that the government have to work on. As always, just a quick reminder that any regular listeners to Life's Milestones get a 10% discount off a wedding or a naming ceremony from me. All you need to do is when you get in touch, use the code MILESTONES. Right, so, next up is my chat with Carl. Carl has had a lot of tragedy in his life. He's very stoic about it and happy to talk about it. But the reality is, there is some sad stuff in this week's episode, but very much in a positive light. And Carl wants to come on here and talk candidly so that people... Can understand how it feels and maybe he might be able to help people by being so open and honest. So with that being said, I'm going to hand over to my interview with Carl. With me at this time is Carl Bryan. Hello, Carl.
0: Hello there, Mark. How are you doing?
1: I'm all right, thank you. Welcome to Life Milestones. And um, I'm glad to have you on because you, you are the man. Who designed the Life Milestones logo for me? So big up on air to Carl, brilliant designer. Thank you so much for sorting that out for us.
0: Ah, oh, not a problem. I'm, I'm quite pleased with it. I'm glad you like it. It's pretty. It is the one I'm probably one of the most pleased with out of all the ones I've done. I've made a few for the for yourself and for the network, and I think it, this is the one that looks probably the nicest out of all of them.
1: It's nice and stylish. I mean, I gave you a vague idea, but you just kind of, like, knocked it out of the park with the different births and marriage and death certificate thing. That's kind of subtle, but if you look at it, you're like, oh.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you like it.
1: So, you know the format, you've listened to the show. Should we just get straight on to it?
0: Absolutely. All
1: right. Carl, how old are you?
0: I am 38 years old, just at the time of recording
1: So, do you know I try and get a nice mix of people on but it's been mostly people in their 30s and 40s so far and then again I suppose that's because I'm in my early 40s I I hadn't really intended it, I've just approached people that are friends most of the time and I think I need to mix it up and get maybe a teenager on or an older person on 50s and 60s I've not touched at all do you feel that you're the same as me? Do you, do you have mostly friends around your own age?
0: I do. Um, I have quite a few that are younger purely because of the nature of my work. I work in an independent cinema slash art museum, so we do tend to take on quite a few younger folk for museum adjudicators and things like that. Hmm. And we have a, a cafe area, we tend to hire younger people for that. So I do I do kind of go with the the gamut in terms of age range, because we have some older people that work with us, we have some younger ones. That, but I've kind of stopped asking about age, because we're all fairly similar in our tastes and things like that.
1: Yeah, I've found that it's more about tastes and leisure activities than it is age i guess
0: yeah there's there's some things that the age difference is noticeable like for example if i if i ever go anywhere with some of the staff uh, a group of the younger ladies that work together they will go right let's go out and party and i'll be like yeah you go do that because i'm gonna <laughs> go home
1: <laughs> yeah I, I i can definitely with
0: that. It was a moment I had when I think we went on a staff night out where because it was mostly a group of us who were the same age and the younger people had gone off to a club and we went, we're going to go there because it's cheaper. Party, party, party. You know, it's sort of, yeah, that place is quieter. <laughs> Let's go there.
1: Yeah. What I like about this show is that it's deliberately diverse. I do definitely need to get some younger folk on I think and some kind of like boomer folk as well, that would be good Yeah But um. So where are you from and what's your background?
0: I am from a place called Riddings in Derbyshire um, which is about half an hour outside of Derby and from there it's sort of my background is there's myself there was my mother and father and uh, my sister who's my half-sister we have different dads and my nephew who's now ooh, how old is he now? Nearly 28, so it, there's a 18 year difference between myself and my sister, mm. and say, uh, my parents are no longer with me, they haven't been for now for about 12 years, 12, 15 years, so that's kind of, we had a sort of small unit, it's quite a big family, but over the years, uh, we weren't that close to begin with, if you get what I mean, so mm. it's only really kind of trimmed down to uh, that immediate group of myself, my sister and my nephew, really.
1: That is an unusual situation, though, that you're kind of, like, in between the ages of your sister and your nephew.
0: Yeah, it's talking about sort of different tastes and things. Like, me and my sister, and I think she'll be all right admitting this as well, we don't have a great deal in common, sort of, taste-wise. We get along. We'll, you know, obviously we'll love each other, we're family, but I think if we weren't family, we met each other, we probably wouldn't hang out or do anything like that. It's... It, we we are very different people. Mm. Me and my nephew get on quite well, but again, we're both um, quite different. He's a he works as a DJ down in London. He sounds pretty cool. He's a, he's a reggae sort of dub and bass DJ, and he's about six foot four. <laughs> he's this huge, tall, pale white monolith. Okay. <laughs> In a reggae sort of scenario, he sticks out, um, is probably the best way of putting it. I think it's really funny because all the DJs are a good two foot shorter than him. Brilliant. I am so proud of what he does, but I'm not a big fan of the music he plays.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And he knows that, and we we get on better. Sort of. It's a, it's a co- sort of compromise almost that we've found is, I'm proud of you, but I won't listen to it half the time
1: yeah and I think that's that's a family thing, isn't it? And my brother, for example, he's done a lot of charity work abroad in African countries, and I'm so proud of him, but my goodness, I'd have never done it
0: yeah I think that's that's part of the thing I'm proud of is is that he found something that like from where we're from, it was only a small village, and for him to find something that's he loved so dearly and that he wouldn't have found if, if he'd stayed at home he went to university It was one of the mm. first in our family to go to university and he discovered this from what he loved and he ran with it because my sister will have the the mum thing of oh when are you going to get like a proper job in <laughs> inverted commas <laughs> and I keep telling her and I'm sure he does keep telling her, he has got a proper job it's just a bit more risky in terms of pay yeah but he loves it, and it's it's a thing that I'm slightly envious in him as well, in that he's found something that he loves so much, and he can do that as his career.
1: Mm. So, what do you do, rather than your nephew? What do you do that makes you interesting? <laughs> uh,
0: what do I do that makes me interesting? Um, I podcast as well, so I podcast with you. You do? Um, I also have my own podcast, uh, which will have launched by the time this goes out. Uh, I also run um, things like I run a quiz night at uh, at the art gallery independent cinema where I work. I also run a night showcasing uh, local short filmmakers, and as it's gone on, more around the country.
1: Brilliant.
0: Uh, obviously, we're a bit grounded at the moment with what's going on, but hopefully, we're going to be back up and running later in the year, if not the start of 2021. Mm. So there's that kind of there's always been. That sort of creative wanting to showcase things or wanting to talk about things, which is weird because back in the day, I wouldn't talk to anyone. I wouldn't say boo to a goose. Mm. And then it was going to college where I kind of bit the bug of filmmaking, which brought it out of me. Yeah, yeah. A couple of lecturers said to me when I was leaving, we wouldn't have expected who we met on the first day to be who we're talking to now.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, because I, I just, I, I lived in a small village when every place I sort of went to school or things like that were outside of the village. So I didn't have the thing of going and just hanging out with people, kids on my street on the weekend. Mm. And a lot of, I think a lot of kids in that village did the same thing in that I was the only one who went to my secondary school. Everybody else went to one of the other two. Right. So I didn't have that many in my home village that I was particularly close friends with either. So right. it was it was a strange strange existence, <laughs> to mm. be fair. Well,
1: tell you what, we will properly plug all your creative stuff at the end of the podcast and let's go on and talk about birth and childhood right now because we're kind of already got into it so let's go that way forward now yeah
0: righto so
1: when and where and how were you born
0: I'm not going into the full graphic details of how we both know
1: (laughs) well you say that but the first guest I ever had his response was through the vagina lol he was 72 when he cracked that gag
0: oh right bless bless him
1: (laughs) Oh, Guy. He's one of my favourite people. But anyway, you. We we know how. Maybe I should just move that to the question. When and where were you born?
0: (laughs) I was born on the 28th of June, uh, 1982, at two in the morning. uh, And I was eight pounds and eight. And the only reason I know this is I've got a little pewter mug that my parents had engraved at the time that has a, a cuckoo clock with the two weights underneath with the weights on and what time I was born on it. And my name on the back, in case I ever forget.
1: Oh, that's lovely.
0: But that's that's how I know us. I was born first thing in the morning. Right,
1: that's so lovely. What a nice thing for your parents to do. I, I think mementos of stuff that you can't remember can become super important.
0: Yeah, I've I've got all my father's like, well, I've got all the family sort of photo albums and things like that. And when I was going through it. I found a book, it was very, very old, but it was the book my grandparents put together when my dad was born, right. with things like, you know, today he took his first step, today he spoke, you know, things we got we got sent when he was born, and there was like ribbons in there and things like that, so stuff like that is, is interesting, especially seeing as, as I've said, he's, he's not with me anymore, so it's it's interesting to look at that and see what was going on at the time.
1: Do you think that stuff like that it's initially very important for the parents to have this kind of memento Albert but you've you've said that you've lost your parents do you feel that when you lost your parents that that suddenly became more important to you than it ever was once you'd lost them
0: yes I'd say so I mean I I didn't even realize I had this um for a while it was in it was in a storage case where I'd kept a lot of things I'd kind of locked it in there to keep it safe so it didn't you know get any damp on it or anything like that mm. but especially like things like the photo albums yeah because I've, I've got I was going through the music I'm, I'm rebooking them but there's things in there that I don't remember
1: mm.
0: um my long-term memory is not fantastic right so there's things like holidays and stuff like that where I look at it and go I don't remember that or I have a very, very, very short glimmer of it because I was so young at the time, yeah. And probably just from um, trauma, <laughs> I've probably blocked a lot of it out. But yeah, there's, there's, it's interesting because it's like, oh yeah, you know, I I didn't realize I'd been to some places until I'd seen photographs of them.
1: Good grief!
0: And it, it's it's odd. It's I I didn't think I'd done things like that where I'd blocked stuff out, mm. um, but it turns out I have. Uh, quite a bit of stuff It's interesting
1: It's almost like a sitcom cliche That people avoid seeing photo albums And slideshows from their folks mm. And that's something that I definitely have done Oh son, I recorded our holiday to Thailand Would you like to come and say see- No, no, I don't <laughs> want to see that dad But maybe I will Once once my dad's died, you know mm.
0: It does help because, and this is strange, I don't know if this is the case for for the people. As time goes on, and I say for me it's been a good 10 to 15 years, you almost can't remember if their voices are what their voices actually were or if it's what you remember them as being, if you get what I mean.
1: Yes. My dad doesn't sound like the impression I just did at all.
0: No. <laughs> because sometimes I'll I'll try and remember stuff. And what's that his voice? And it's it's sad because I don't have any recordings of them. No. Um, just because of at the time I just didn't have anything. Mm. And the thing that say upsets me if I think about it too much is there's no they passed away when I was just about to turn eighteen. Mm. And I've gone through a lot of change since then. And there's no pictures of them with me as a man. And they'll never know how I turned out. And I'll never be able to show them how I turned out. Which is sad. It is. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Obviously we're going to talk more about death uh, later on in the podcast. But tell me a nice story, a favourite story from your childhood. One that you can remember.
0: I remember... So when we when I was younger, we always used to holiday inland. We never went abroad. And hmm. uh, f- for a good few years, we'd go to Great Yarmouth. Okay. And this, for me, I didn't realise that this kind of thing was in Britain, if you know what I mean. It was sort of like, <laughs> you, know, you know, oh, like, pleasure beaches and all this stuff. This is like, you know, Disneyland. And things like that, and it was just nice seeing because, as we've talked about on other podcasts, I grew up in a a news agent, so my parents would work from like five in the morning till eleven o'clock at night every day. Mm. It was just nice wandering around and seeing them enjoy themselves. If you get what I mean, not that working was a turgid existence, but them being able to, just the the little things of them being able to like, I slept until seven, you know, which for everybody <laughs> else would be. Like, yeah, but for them it's like, No, I've I've missed the day you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, seeing seeing them I've got photos of them here behind me and the ones I chose to put on display I'm not in because I like seeing pictures of them enjoying themselves. Mm. Because that's how I want to remember um because obviously that towards the end there was there's a lot of stress my mother passed away with cancer so when that happened there was a lot of a lot of things like that and it wasn't particularly pleasant my dad had medical issues since he was like 25 right so there's there's a lot of stuff there which i choose to not remember and the only problem is it's interspersed with all the good stuff so right a lot of like my happier memories are very generalized almost because it's things that were always there. But then there'd be things like my dad would play pranks on me. Sure. Like all the way home one day from, we go out gone out for a Sunday afternoon. Uh, he told me I was going to have, um, he was going to cook when we got back and we were going to have bread and pull it. Okay. I don't know if you've, if you've ever heard this joke, but mm. all the way home, it's like, oh, it's delicious and blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, I'm really looking forward to this, really looking forward to this. And we got home. He took a loaf of bread out of the bread bin, put it in front of me. I was just sat at the table. He goes, "Just uh, pull that towards you," and I grabbed it, pulled it, and goes, "There you are. That's bread." And pull it. I, I couldn't believe I'd fallen for <laughs> a joke. That this was like two hours of him telling me how great this was. <laughs> Just things like that and, you know, silly little things you remember. It's never, I find it's never, like, the big things. It's always the little, like, my mother, my mother towards the end, she wore a wig um, because of chemotherapy. Mm. And just just the thing of her sometimes, like, she still wanted to work, so she still went into the shop every so often if she wanted to. Uh, just things like, some. once for a laugh, she went in with the wig skew-whiffed, like a baseball cap, tilted. <laughs> And I thought that was hilarious, you know, stuff stuff like that, and and you know, things things like that are are my main sort of main sort of memories. I'm sure there's others that I can't think of off the top of my head, but Mm. as I said, a lot of it I don't don't remember is not the right word, but I've kind of locked away a little bit. Right, Mm.
1: makes sense in a lot Mm. of ways. Do you have children yourself?
0: No, I don't. No, I've got a godson. Okay, but I've not got any children of my own now.
1: So, are you planning on having kids?
0: I am um are about it because I can only just about look after myself. <laughs> so, if you gave me a child, I don't know what what I'd do. On the other hand, I love kids. Hmm. Sort of as we're recording this right now, my best friend is in the labour ward with his partner about to give birth to their firstborn. Good grief. And my other best friend had his on the second of the month, so we're, we're about a couple of weeks in from from his firstborn being born. So I've got I've got those two. I've got my other friend who's got his little daughter. I've got my godson. The problem is, I I've, I've kind of got kids by proxy. Yeah, I I think at the moment for me, it'd be. Uh, I'm fine with not having children. I have the odd moment where I go, I'd love, I'd, you know, because that's that's kind of your legacy, isn't it? It's, you know, the the family name goes on, but I kind of don't need that because I've got my no. nephew, even though my nephew's got a different name from me, he's kind of following on the, the family line, I think, better than I could. <laughs> but I don't know about children yet. Also, I'm getting older and I don't know, so...
1: Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of value in I flippantly call it borrowing other people's kids. Yeah, and similar situation to you. My nephew and niece are brilliant, and I'm a scout leader. And with those two things combining, uh, basically spending a lot of time with with young people, it's I kind of feel like it's all I need.
0: Yeah, I mean, I used to work for Sky Television, training people. On their call centers, like so, they used to come in, spend three weeks with me, go off, go work on the floor, and a lot of them were late teens, early twenties for the most part. And I found teaching them incredibly satisfying, to the point where you know you, you can't, you almost do kind of not to them, although I think I did a couple of times, a bit like there go my kids, you know, I'm so proud of them, yeah. and you know, you, you get a bit like that, and that sometimes goes in with the Oh, i quite like I have a kid of my own and I think what the answer what I'm really thinking when I think that is if I'm br- brutally honest with myself I'd quite like a kid that's already gone through the baby stage
1: yeah yeah you don't want to be dealing with nappies
0: I could do it but I, I don't know how I'm, and I'm sure a lot of people my friends a lot of them you go who've got kids you go I couldn't see them as a, a father until they became a father Mm. Or until they became a mother and then, you know, their entire mindset changed. And that probably happened to me. But, say, I, I don't know. Plus, no women let me near them at the moment. So there's always that as well. <laughs> oh
1: dear. I'm sure that's not
0: true. If so, you're out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, you may not be having kids yourself. Have you ever been to a, a naming ceremony or a christening that you thought was particularly memorable?
0: I've been to a couple. I went to my nephews. That was quite memorable. I've not been to any in a long time, I don't think, actually. Mm. I don't know if a lot of my friends actually had their children christened. Mm. Because it's... myself and a lot of people I know are not religious people. Yes. So, I'm, I'm trying to think. that They probably have them registered. You can have them registered if you don't want a christened ceremony, can't you? You have to, legally. You have to legally register a birth. I think a lot of people especially if, like a lot of them only got married not long before they had kids so I think the expense of the wedding and then the ch- I'm I'm very much of the mindset that it, I don't see the point in throwing a 1 year old birthday party because they're not going to remember it.
1: Hmm.
0: A 2 year old absolutely but <laughs> but it's um I don't see the point in the going for a christening if you're not religious unless it's sort of pressure from the outside family. Mm. If it if it would mean a lot to the family, I I kind of understand, but no, I was christened and my father was christened, I think. I, I only found out my father had a middle name after he died. Right. Cuz he he never mentioned it. Never once mentioned it and I found his his christening certificate and it said his middle name was James. Huh. And he never mentioned it. Well, there you go. Yeah, I I I haven't been to one in a long time, but I have. I have been to one. I don't know how much different they are these days. I might have worked one when I was working as a sort of wedding photographer, videographer. I can't remember now, but yeah, not for a long time.
1: Then mm. that something that you think should be reclaimed by the non-religious?
0: Then no, not really. Maybe in a. I don't think it needs to. If you if the non-religious are looking to reclaim them. Maybe it doesn't have to take place. In ch- there's a lot of pomp and circumstance around it. If the non-religious are going to c- claim it back, then there'll be a, it'd be very different. I can imagine because you wouldn't need the water. No. Nah. And it because it is it is probably one of the more religious ceremonies there is because there's the water, there's the whole genuflecting with the water on the head, and things like that. And to me, if you're not religious none of that needs to be a thing.
1: Yeah, and I think there is an element of that, and naming ceremonies are widely regarded as the least popular of the three ceremonies that a humanist celebrant would do. But they also tend to be the ones that people like the most. I I, I completely get what you're saying. They are They are a luxury, but they yeah. can be so lovely. And I think what's humanist naming ceremonies do really well is creating mementos for the children to have as they grow up like for example one that i did all the family did a piece of art where they all put their handprints on a piece of paper and then they framed it and then the baby would then have that as something to represent their family for the rest of their life like that
0: yeah i mean things like that i i am up for if say if obviously we've known each other a while, I know you are a humanist, but I've never asked what a humanist naming ceremony has entailed in it. That kind of thing is cool, and I suppose is the, one of the upsides I'm not looking at here is it introduces a lot of the family to the new member of the family, who may not necessarily be around all the time.
1: It's a lot like a wedding in some ways, is you have mm. like this ceremony where you have your symbolic gestures, you, you know, you might have parents' promises, you might have Guide parent promises, love the term guide parents, I think it's lovely, mm. and incorporate what you want, make it personal in the same way as you would with a humanist wedding. And then you have a party afterwards, it's a lot like a wedding in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, it's, i say that a lot of the times it is, uh, even funerals, because I've, I've probably been to more funerals than anything else. A lot of it is in this sort of the meeting of everybody afterwards, mm, mm. and like obviously you you wind up meeting people that you've never met previously, and you'll probably never meet again. Like my mum had four sisters and five all the way around, five sisters, four brothers. It was like one of nine or one of ten. That's a lot of siblings. Yeah, um, I met an uncle who I'd never met before. I've never met again and no one had seen for about 25 years. And he turned up for, for the funeral and kind of sat in the corner and talked to a couple of people and then he left. Good grief. And that was, that was interesting. Um, Uncle Rex. <laughs> Uncle Rex has got a cool name. He does. He looked a bit like Howard Marks in the sort of, he's had a very <laughs> good time in life. Right. And I just remember saying to somebody like, who is that? Because it was in, like, a local pub we'd rented. And I thought, oh, somebody's wandered in. Mm. Just thinking it was the pub. And they went, that's your Uncle Rex. I was like, oh, Uncle Rex was a joke. Good grief. That didn't exist. And they went, no, no, that's him. And, yeah, he hung around for a bit, smoked cigarettes, and left. And I've never seen him since. <laughs> He's probably passed away himself. But, mm. yeah, it's... So, that yeah, I understand the ceremony in terms of the social aspect of of meeting the family and maybe even reconnecting some bridges but the religious side of it the water and things like that i don't feel a, like if i did have kids i'd do a humanist c- ceremony because i've never never been religious as much as you know schools try and drill it into you and things like that <laughs>
1: Should we move on and talk about marriage? Mm. Okay, so the first question's an obvious one. Are you married? I'm not. No. Okay, so do you want to get married? Do you believe in marriage?
0: Yes, I do. I think I do believe in marriage. I've been to a lot of weddings. A lot of my friends are married. I think it's it's something. I'm trying to think of the right way to say it the the affirmation the the declaration of love in that that you and i were together till the end i i like that about a wedding i just think it's especially now that you can, you can have humanist weddings and things like that so it's not about the you know you can't have a child out of wedlock and the laws and of god and things like that it is now you can Adjust it to how you want it, which is what you want it to be. Being a declaration of love, yeah. And a couple of well, my friends got married a couple of years ago, and it was absolutely beautiful. It was, I believe, it was a humanist ceremony. I don't believe it. No, it was a priest, but it was a, it was non denomination. So it was it oh. was a very nice wedding, and then afterwards, it was it was all about sort of talking about like my friend talked about his his wife in a way that no one, we've all known him a good 20-odd years, we'd never heard him be that emotional about anything. Mm, mm. Like, my other friend I was sitting next to burst into tears, and I'd never seen that before either. <laughs> it was great, because he had—he was sort of like, what are you crying for? He's like, it's so emotional. And he was almost taken by surprise by the fact mm. he burst into tears. I was holding it in myself, to be fair, but I made a stone of stuff. Is that right? Totally. You were the, you were the tough guy, the rock. Yep. Yeah. I don't cry at films on my own at all. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was such a beautiful day and I think a lot of that was to do with it was planned by them almost down to the T, but in a way that it was it was just lovely. Ah. You know you know, it was it was a big it was a big moment. Like it was in New York. We went to New York for Amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, we rode in an old town car and they married in Central Park. And uh, then we went into Brooklyn and uh, we went into a bar and the bride played bingo (laughs) at the bar in a wedding dress. Brilliant. So if I was to get married, I'd I'd do it like that, to be honest. If
1: it was in the States,
0: the laws are very, very different regarding
1: who can work as an officiant. So I think... He may have been a religious officiant, but he didn't need to be a priest at all. Hmm. So that's probably almost equivalent to a civil celebrant in Britain. But it would have been a legal marriage, whereas a civil celebrant wouldn't be a legal marriage in Britain. And as you probably know, humanist ceremonies are campaigning for humanist marriages to become legal like they are in Scotland, in England and Wales. But from my knowledge of the American market, I think he was a religious man with a very, very easy-to-get certificate of being able to marry other people. He probably paid less than $50 for the privilege of being able to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, when my other friend got married, obviously they went to the registry office first and then they did the ceremony, and the ceremony was conducted by our other friend who'd registered... To do it online, I think. Right. So they'd, they'd done it officially at the registry office in the morning, um, and then he'd done the ceremony in the afternoon.
1: He didn't have to register anything. If it's not right. a legal ceremony, anybody can conduct a, a uh, ceremony. It's just someone like myself has a lot more training, basically.
0: Yeah, it's. I like the idea of a humanist celebrant doing doing weddings mm. more so than than priests because, as, as I mean, as you know, you, you sort of. In the village I grew up in, the I, I knew the priest. I knew a couple of them just because it was a small village. But I don't know if I'd have asked him to do my wedding. Right? <laughs> you know, it's sort of. It's like I know you, but I, I don't know you well enough. Where or I, I? You you know that I'm not religious, and I know that you are religious, and it would feel weird to me. Yeah, I'd I'd rather get someone in who I know is is not religious or can perform in that capacity without feeling the almost like (laughs) the breath of God on my neck. Yeah, yeah. Part of me feels my mum was getting too old to get married, but I'm not. Yeah. But you know, I'm sure you'll ask me one day, Mark. Oh, is that right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) One of my couples were in their sixties and they were brilliant. They were a brilliant, brilliant couple. And I adored them. They were um childhood sweethearts. Like then didn't see each other for 25 30 years and then they met up again and fell in love again and then got married How lovely is that
0: that's beautiful that it's lovely, that's lovely isn't it yeah and that that's the thing it's love doesn't die does it
1: no so you can start off with you two old <laughs> i i would
0: i probably will.
1: what would be involved in your perfect wedding what elements would make your wedding perfect for you
0: i think i think i'd keep it fairly small right with my sort of immediate family and my my friends who are my not to di- not to disrespect my blood family but my chosen family mm. i'd have them there and obviously whoever my bride may be and then yeah i think it would be a sort of a nice small affair I quite like the idea of having one outside. Mm. I've been to a few that are outside, and they've always been well. The weather's been good for a start, which really would you know pinpoint like a day where there's definitely no chance of it raining. So you wouldn't be having it in Britain then? Oh, I don't know. I'd say <laughs> I say me. I said I used to do filming of weddings, and we went to one that was in a beautiful castle. And as soon as I heard people, you know, dearly beloved, just rained. Gutted, But I got a lovely shot of... Everyone got handed an umbrella on the way in. And I just had this beautiful shot of just... It was like flowers blooming. Just umbrella, 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 umbrella. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. I had one, but I had to hold it over the camera because the camera was worth about two and a half grand.
1: (laughs) So your head got wet, but the camera was fine?
0: My everything got wet. (laughs) (laughs) I had to tell them... A mum was holding a kid... And she didn't have an umbrella. And she looked at me and said, can I have your umbrella? And I had to look this poor woman dead in the eye and went, no. (laughs) She was
1: was cheeky to ask you for that. She could clearly see that you were holding it over the expensive equipment. That was shitty of her.
0: I showed her where another one was. So that was all right. But I was just like, this is no. This is far too much money. Your kid will recover from a cold. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think it would be, I think there'd be a lot of Messing about in it, I think there would be more done for laughs in some things like i'd I'd ask I know the guys i'd ask to be my best men would probably roast me
1: that's the norm though right
0: yeah i d- I don't know how seriously they'd take being my best men, <laughs> but i n- I know that they'd do a good job, and yeah i th- part of me feels like they there'd probably have to be two ceremonies, one for the the wife's side of the family, and then one for my weird group, <laughs> <laughs> where they can be themselves. But yeah, definitely. I did, And uh, there'd probably be karaoke at some point. Karaoke party
1: for your wedding, that sounds good.
0: Yeah. My friend, when we went to New York the day before the wedding, or day, two nights before the wedding, we went to a, a karaoke bar where we'd booked out the back room, And, uh, yeah, Sangha Hearts out for about two and a half hours. (laughs) Marvellous.
1: So, have you had a think about what song you would pick as
0: your first dance? Ooh, as my first dance? It'd probably be some quite cheesy pop, to be honest. I do like myself some cheesy pop. Part of me would be, again, just because of the way my, my friend group is, from the people I know in my friend group who work worked weddings there's one song which got played at sort of every wedding that we did which was rule the world by take that
1: it's a nice song but yes i can see how it might be overplayed
0: oh his eye twitches if he hears it i'd almost do that just (laughs) to (laughs) spite him maybe for the first like 10 seconds just to watch him go "Mm -hmm," and then put on something else (laughs) The
1: classic switcheroo of the uh, scratching of the record noise and then something else.
0: Yeah, brilliant. I think the, the I mean, the, the one that sticks off my head at the moment is, I don't know if you had a chance to hear it, but the, when the Jonas Brothers came back, they did a song called "Sucker," and that was just a nice sort of song about how they go together and and things like that. That's the first thing that pops into my head for a kind of cheesy pop song, and it's quite Ooh. it's upbeat as well. I can't really dance, so I, I don't know what I'd do.
1: You know, a lot of uh, couples will just do the walk around slowly dance. You won't be the first person to do that.
0: Oh, the cling to each other for hope and as like, well. Let's just get through this. First verse
1: hits. <laughs> Everybody else, come and join us on the dance
0: floor, please. Yeah. I'd probably have <laughs> that announced before I walked on. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, brilliant,
1: brilliant. Okay, so we're going to move on to the final section of the show where we do talk. Death, and I know we've touched on this quite heavily already, so I think mm-hmm. there's you know that some of the answers to the questions will be quite obvious. But the first one I always ask people is, Are you scared of death?
0: Yes, it actually can provoke a almost panicked reaction out of me if I think about it sometimes. Mm. So, I've dealt with stress and anxiety quite a bit over the past few years probably the last 10 years now. Mm. and I, th- one of the things that can trigger me is if I hear it on... like I I don't know if you've ever heard the podcast Films to be Buried With.
1: I've heard of it, but I've not got around to listening to it, unfortunately. It's one that's on my radar.
0: Yeah, it's very good, but I ended up having to stop listening to it because part of the, the premise is, you know, you've died, what films would you have buried with you? Right. But it got into quite a few discussions on there where people talk about... The end, and things like that, and it it would it's a very physical reaction in that I get a cold chill and I become quite panicked, or I can become quite panicked mm. normally if it's if I'm on my own, and I've listened to podcasts where it's happened, and I've kind of had to skip forward or I've seen people talk about it, and I've had to switch over or just leave that bit. Um, It depends what my my general state is at the time, but it can really alter my mood. I can be perfectly fine, and if I start thinking about it, it can freak me out. And I've never really admitted that in public.
1: It seems like a pretty brave move to come on this podcast then. You knew what you were in for.
0: I know. I would kind of made the decision I would talk about it, because... Just see if other people do as well if they hear it. Sort of if they if they get a similar thing. But it does freak me out. But I also know it's the most inevitable thing in the world. Yeah. It's going to happen. Um, it is. And it. It's kind of, uh, but it's sort of the the thing of one day I'm not going to be here. Yeah. And there's going to be a moment where it stops, and I'm probably going to be awake for that bit. And I don't know what's going to happen. And that's what freaks me out. It's, I, d- I, don't, I wouldn't want to say I'd want to die in my sleep, but um, almost if like, the the last thing I did was like, oh, good night, everybody, and go to bed, and that was it. You know, mm. That might be the way forward to me. But I, I really don't want to be one of those where he's lying in his bed going like, oh, it's all been quite marvellous, hasn't it? And then look out the window and go, nurse, and that's it, it's over. Huh. I I don't know I you know I probably run into a flaming orphanage or something like that. I mean, there's so many
1: cliches about death, aren't there? And you yeah. just named three.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, and that's the thing. It's like I you know I can't calm my, I almost can't calm myself down about it because it's not something I can go through and go well that wasn't too bad. You know, it's unless there is something going on after we leave this planet, but which I don't think there is. But it's um. Yeah, it's, it's probably the thing I worry about the most. Mm. As I said, my mother passed away from cancer. My dad had heart problems from the age of 25. Right. And he died at 50. Good grief. Um, which isn't anywhere near an age to go. No. And he was complaining about it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 50, I know. It's sort of like... Don't like it. it was like, well, there's not a great deal you can do about it. No. And Then he passed away. So he, no. he figured something out. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Wow. I, I I can joke about these things. It's my way of dealing with it. Even after all this time, I will still make a joke about stuff like that. Mm. But yeah, there's you know there's there's a, not a lot you can do about it. It's going to happen eventually. It'll. Yeah. You know, but hopefully, I'll be, you know, eighty-five and. Barking mad, so I don't really notice. Mm.
1: I've, I've had a lot of people say they're not scared of death on this podcast, and I've got a lot of respect for it. But I feel like you, to yeah. be honest with you, it scares the hell out of me.
0: Yeah, it's. It, I think it's because it's almost. Like I think of there's so much to do, or mm. there's so much I want to do, and I haven't yep. done it yet, and that all ties into the you know have I wasted a lot of time doing this or doing that or not doing these things and you know there's a a whole story about that but things like that and then you go because I've always worked off the idea of it's three score years and 10 isn't it the average age which is 75 right I was like oh god I'm halfway through and and then it's sort of like and then you kind of go hang on I'm only halfway through yeah but then you kind of take into account well, when I hit a certain point, you know you're going to physically start deteriorating if you're not looking after yourself. So there's, you know, there's a there could be a per, there could be a period of time where you're not really able to, yeah. you know, well, you won't be able to spring about like you did like 20 unless you're Diamond Dallas Page. Nice wrestling reference there, Carl. Well, yeah, I mean, well, he's a he's he's, he's a yoga magnate now, isn't he? He's but he's nearly 70 and he's. Springy as anything.
1: Oh yeah, the what's what's it called? Um, DDP DDP yoga. Yeah, he's he's a yogi.
0: Yeah, and he's he stopped wrestling because his back was ruined, and now he's you know he's seventy years old and he's probably more sprightly than a few twenty-five year olds. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to be like that. It's sort of like you know you see like my grandfather was a farmer, and he lasted. The only reason he started to really deteriorate was because he didn't have the farm anymore. Right. Um, He he kind of just stopped and he he used to sit in his armchair and smoke constantly and watch telly. And eventually he got... uh, He was diabetic. He got gangrene in one foot and lost that below the knee. And then towards the very end, he lost the other one. And it was horrible. (laughs) But...
1: Yeah... I think there's an element of truth in the cliche that people do worry about stopping working because sometimes people do deteriorate fast when they're no longer active. There's a lady at the library I used to work at. She's in her 70s and she's not quitting. She doesn't want to quit. She's Mm. happy. And she's like, if I slow down, I'll slow down too much. (laughs) I wonder Mm. whether it's a cliche or whether it's... It's for real, and from what you're saying with your granddad, it really is for real.
0: It is, because, I mean, when when we closed up shop, literally, my mother had passed away by that point, and it was just me and my dad, and I was at college at the time, and then working, so he was on his own a lot, mm. and he knew that he had to do something, because otherwise he was going to go stir-crazy. And he ended up working for his friend who sold cars. So he would... He didn't sell cars, but he would drive them to where they were ordered, wherever in the country that may be, and then catch a train back or catch the bus back. Mm. So he, he was doing that, or he'd go and pick up cars. So he would get in about, and he was you know driving and keeping himself active. And I used to hear from him from wherever he was. And you know he, he knew that he had to do something. Because as you mm. as we because obviously he'd have seen his own father deteriorate after not having the farm, yeah. And I think he he kind of had that thing of oh I'll be damned if that's going to happen to me, yeah. and I'm a bit like that of I'll be damned if that's going to happen to me. So like, I I'm, I'm a large person, and I've noticed that parts of my body have started to deteriorate. Right. My back hurts <laughs> a bit right now. My knees are kind of buggered. <laughs> it's. Yeah.
1: I'm slim and my back hurts. I'm not sure it's anything to do with being a big lad.
0: Uh, I think I'll, I think some of it is from just carrying the weight around and not being as active as I was previously. Because before I was, for a big lad, I was quite active, mm. and i have not been in the last couple of months. And it's only in the last couple of months that it started to hurt more. Right, and that's why I need to get back out there. And I keep seeing people. You know, you see people who are like, "Oh wait, I've." Fr- you, I don't know if you know him. You probably do, Fraser Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was what? He was thirty stone, forty stone. Yeah, he was a big boy. Yeah, and now he's he's trimmed right the way down because he had the sleeve, and it was really inspiring listening him to him talk about that. Mm. And part of me wonders if I could do something similar, ideally without getting surgery. Yeah. And you know, I'll I'll never be thin. I've never been thin. I've always been like built like. A Tasmanian devil. (laughs) So I'll never be like, my doctor once said to me, I like to think of you as a hooker, Carl. Do you understand what that means? It's like, I'm really hoping rugby. But which event? Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) if he put his hand on my shoulder and gone, well, you're a very attractive man, Carl, it was like, well, this has taken a change. I mean,
1: that doesn't seem like good practice.
0: No, but you know, my parents have been happy I'd been seeing a doctor. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I that's that's the next thing for me is as daft as it sounds is to focus on not dying. Wow. <laughs> Cause my grand my father had a heart attack at twenty five yeah. and he was not a large man. He was you know, I I watched him have one when I was a kid, which is something I remembered which was terrifying. I bet it was. But my dad was a very tough. He was he was tough. My dad he he had to be with the amount of stuff he went through. He was one of the first people to have a certain type of pacemaker in his body and and things like that. And he, he told me he used to tell me like they had to break all of his ribs in order to put it in and and things like that. And after about fifteen years of him having it, they said, "Look, we can take out this big thing that you've got in your body, and we can put one in that's like the size of uh, I don't know." Um, a pen or something like that but we're yeah. going to have to break your ribs again and he said no because he, huh. he kind of worked on the theory of if I go in again I'm probably not coming back out
1: no fair enough
0: yeah and that those were the conversations me and my dad had in the last couple of years of his life were were very him prepping for what was going to ha- if anything happened to him right and what I could do so it was it was an interesting time but now, as I'm getting older, I'm becoming more and more aware of need to do something in terms of keeping myself a bit in better shape mm, mm. because I'm in, I'm in the second half of the stretch. But... You,
1: you are nowhere near the kind of size I'm about to talk about, but I was talking
0: mm. to, to a member
1: of staff from Manchester Crematorium the other day while I was waiting for a funeral to turn up. And they have a lot of people come from all over the country Because they have one of the largest crematoriums. And I don't mean capacity. I mean the actual incinerator. Yeah. And so if you're over a certain size, you might have to travel to Manchester if you want a cremation. And I never really thought about it until we were just chatting. And I, I did have a funeral for a bigger person not so long ago. And the coffin was a very different shape to yeah. a, what's a standard coffin. And it was square. Yeah. It was a big square coffin.
0: That That's something I want to avoid. I'll never go like, I want to be normal, because I'm I'm not. I'm a strange individual, and I enjoy the fact that um, I'm a strange individual. No, fuck normal. Exactly. But when it comes to being buried, <laughs> or incinerated, I'd quite like to be in a normal-sized coffin. Mm just like people go oh he's lost weight <laughs> like when my grandfather this this guy goes to show mine and my dad's sense of humour um, when my grandfather was buried because he had no legs below his knees it was a small coffin oh dear but it turned up and they took it out and me and my dad stood there and it was one of those moments you know when your eyes kind of bulge out of your head and you're trying really hard not to laugh at something because it's highly inappropriate yes we were both stood there like, oh, God, it's, it is small, isn't it? It's smaller than they said it was going to be. Oh, God. <laughs> and it was white as well. So it was just, like, it looks like a child's one. Oh, God. Oh, dear. But the thing is, like, that's the thing is, I'm terrified of death, but I can find the humour in it.
1: Yeah, and I think you have to.
0: Yeah, that's the way way forward on it. But, yeah, I, I need to get in better. Because I, I don't want to die early. You know, no, it's
1: sort of nobody does. I don't think.
0: Yeah. My mates have got kids. I want to watch grow up, and I've got my own godson. I want to watch grow up, and mm. I want to be a crazy old man. Good, you'd make a really good crazy old man. Yeah, I want a rocking chair and a cane. I've already got a rocking chair. I've got a cane. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody gave me one, it's a metal one with a a resin skull that's uh, chest patterned on the top of it, and that is going to be mine when I'm sitting on the rocking chair. How beautifully peculiar. Yeah.
1: So let's talk about your funeral. Do you want to be buried or cremated?
0: I think cremated.
1: Okay, what's the reasoning for that?
0: I think that when you're gone, you're gone. Mm. I like the idea that I've been thrown into the wind, then I am just sitting on the ground. Hmm. If you know what I mean, um, my parents are both cremated, but we buried the ashes.
1: Okay, yeah,
0: which was actually their instruction, from what I remember.
1: So, do they have gravestones then?
0: That they do. They're back in back in Riddings. They my dad, in a bit of a maudlin sort of preparation, he bought one that was shaped like a book.
1: I think that's a lovely gravestone.
0: Yeah, and one one side of it is my mum with all her, her details, and he'd already paid for when he went, for him to be put on the other side.
1: Oh, that's, that's so lovely.
0: Yeah, and my grandparents have a similar one as well, but smaller. Uh, I'm, I must admit, I, I haven't been back in a while, a long while, mm. because I kind of work on the, the theory of I'd rather use my memories than go look at a stone.
1: Yeah, that seems reasonable.
0: Yeah, and it's... I, that's the thing. I mean, part of me thinks now, with all you know, podcasts and videos and stuff that I've done, you wouldn't really need to go look at a stone to remember me because there'll be a lot of it knocking about. If you ever want to hear my voice or see, remember what I looked like,
1: that's how I feel too.
0: Yeah, so I'd, I'd, if you want, you know, if they want to put me, because um, I know one friend of mine, an older friend of mine, when he passed away a few years ago. He was put in a a garden of remembrance, right? So his his ashes were scattered in there, rather than having a having a grave. From what I remember,
1: yeah.
0: And that was a nice way to go. But I I kind of like the idea of sending my best friends up a mountain and getting them to throw it off the side. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> Brilliant. Just just something like that, and and you know it's you're not going to be there for it. No. Nah. I almost am not that bothered about what my service is going to be like because I'm not going to be there.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's the classic argument, isn't it? That it's not yeah. for you, it's for your family. Yeah. But my counter to that would be is if it's personalised in a way that they know that you contributed to it, it makes it more personal to them.
0: Yeah, I think I'd, I would plan it so it would have that thing to it. I'd, I'd leave instructions, basically. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do the crazy thing of everybody's got to turn up in fishing waders and, you know, all that kind of stuff.
1: I've had some brilliant ones of those and uh, yeah. I, I love them. I love a dress code for a funeral. I think it's a great idea.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd probably get them to, like, you know, wear a purple tie or something like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it doesn't need to be crazy, crazy, crazy. No. I've been to funerals as a mourner where, you know, it wasn't crazy, but it's just a nice little touch. Like a friend of mine died in his early 30s and he, he was a wrestler and he always wore pink when he wrestled his name's Chris Travis hmm. and everybody that was attending a funeral was told to wear pink and there was like a sea of
0: boys with their pink
1: ties it was
0: ace that'd be that'd be something i'd like is it it's I don't know if you've ever seen this clip. It's a fairly famous clip of uh, Graham Chapman from Monty Python.
1: Yes, I've seen it. Yeah, (laughs) I know exactly what you're going to
0: say. I'd quite like my service to be like that, in that people are looking at the... When I I did the speech at my father's funeral, and I tried, I kind of failed, but I tried uh, to make them laugh. Because I wanted, and I said, like, he wouldn't want us all to be sitting here, like, oh, God, he's dead. Yeah.
1: You
0: know, he'd want us to carry on. He'd want us to celebrate. Because that's the thing I find in, in death, especially in funerals, is people always focus on, oh, he wasn't very well towards the end. You know, that was the last, you know, could have been the last six months. Before yeah. that, there was decades of tittered about and made us laugh and stuff like that. And I'd rather people focused on that when I'm gone than like you know he was never the same after he ran into that burning orphanage but you know I'd rather have like he did a lot of podcasts oh you could talk about Red Dwarf couldn't he you know things like that and that's that's I've kind of had the idea over the last few years of leaving a sort of a body of work as it were Mm. not not in terms of like yes I do podcasts I do videos I do stuff like that but in terms of stuff that people know I've done when if, if it's sort of the way I was with my godson or yeah. you know, my friend's kids or, you know, things like that, just to leave a lasting effect. Yeah. I'd rather have that than, I think, anything else.
1: And I think a good funeral will remind people of the things that made them happy about this person and remind them that these memories are what you should be treasuring rather than the sorrow of having lost someone. And I'd take great pride in the idea that people will think back on the ceremony and smile rather than be sad. If I've done that for someone, then I've done a good job.
0: I'd want... You know how you sometimes in funerals it's mostly on TV adaptations, but there's a picture of them next to the, the coffin or whatever? Never seen that. No, I'd probably have one, a big one, with me doing the cheesy, hey, put double point and grin, buddy Christ, sort <laughs> of. Brilliant. That'd be something I'd insist upon. Because it's the thing of like, I can't be too sad. I'm looking at a picture of Carl doing the buddy Christ pose. Yeah, yeah. So almost like I'm still there. Yeah. Or that what, what my essence was is still there. That'd be something I'd enjoy. I think so. Well, that'd be something I think other people would enjoy.
1: Well, you're currently enjoying it, the thought of it, but other people could enjoy it in future, yeah. (laughs) Have you thought about any readings that you'd like to be read at your
0: Ooh, Nothing religious. Um, I think it would probably be a speech from a film (laughs) or something like that. You like film? That makes sense. Yeah, I like film. It would be something like that. I'd probably, you know, I'd be up for the idea of just letting my friends... Do their own speech, but readings. Again, it would probably be something silly. It probably be something silly that I'd write. Mm.
1: That's a nice idea. I've I've had that before. Is someone's when they were close to to death wrote a letter to be read at their funeral. It was lovely. Mm.
0: Yeah, it it would probably be something I'd written telling people to not be sad. Yeah, and then maybe a knob gag in there somewhere. Oh, everybody loves a knob gag. Exactly. It's you know how do you want to go out laughing and knob gags? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, I'd probably do that. Actually, think about this. That's the thing. It's like I will. I will think about death, and it will worry me. But I never tend to think about like how would I prepare for it. Mm. And to be honest, doing the reason why I've been so open about it on this podcast is I. I'm kind of using it myself a bit selfishly as a bit therapeutic to get it out there and to talk about it. Because, yeah, I I probably would prepare my own funeral as my final joke uh, to tell people.
1: (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that, man.
0: No, exactly.
1: So final question in this section is my favourite because I just like music. What music tracks would you select for the entrance, reflection and exit in your funeral?
0: The Entrance Ooh,
1: There's a few That's the thing You're going to get to pick three One for The Entrance One for The Quiet Reflection And one for The Exit You're going to get one funeral mate
0: Yeah The first song off the top of my head For The Entrance Would actually be the The theme song for Shinsuke Nakamura Brilliant <laughs> Just something hugely epic <laughs> Not the one with the vocals on it, just oh, the, no. the instrumental one with the violin and the guitars. and
1: The original with the, yeah. with the amazing drop. Maybe you could ask everyone to like wait until the drop and that's when they start to walk in.
0: Yeah, oh, I'd, almost, I'd probably have it where, instead of having the coffin there, almost like a wedding, have everybody in there, have the music played, then bring the coffin in.
1: <laughs> you can do that. I've had funerals where people have done that.
0: Yeah, just sort of... Have them don't tell them what it's gonna be. Have it have them stood there and then you hear bow, 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 and the coffin comes in slowly <laughs> just down the middle. Oh, I'm nice. making my own entrance uh, to my own funeral. That'd probably be the one.
1: Huh. I've not seen that. I've had like the congregation go in first and then the coffin follow, but I've not had like everyone walking silently and then the coffin get an entrance like the bride. Brilliant! Do it, Carl.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's how I want to go. Amazing. Um, in for for the moment of quiet reflection, just I'd I'd probably pick because I know quite a few musicians. I'd probably pick one of theirs. I, okay. My friend Joe Brown has written a lot of beautiful songs over the over the years. I'd probably pick one of his, but.
1: Oh, that's nice that's like yeah. deeply personal that you picked a friend's song rather than i don't know something by linkin park or
0: elton john yeah and it's it, I, I, we went to a, we, we had a funeral. we went we had a funeral we went to a funeral of a, a friend of ours who he died very young mm. and he was a musician as well and he had people playing his parents had people playing at his funeral and that that to me was interesting. i don 't think I could put any of my musician friends through that, right, but that's that's an interesting one I think to do is have somebody playing, but I think I'd probably play one of his one of his songs rather than anything like that
1: that's a nice choice
0: to exit i've actually just started looking at my spotify playlist of of random songs that I listen to fairly regularly. Mm. And there's there's two off the top of my head which stick out. And these probably wouldn't be the ones I'd use, but at the moment they're the ones that are most appealing uh, to me. One is the track Ashes from the Deadpool 2 soundtrack.
1: Celine
0: Dion. Celine Dion. (laughs) Because that that would be one where it is a very emotional song, but I know that people who know me would be stood there going, Oh, for God's sake, Carl. Because they know I'd have picked it. Because it's in fucking Deadpool. Yeah, he's like he's picked something like that, and the, <laughs> especially if 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 I'm being cremated and it goes down and it starts singing the "Let Beauty Come Out of Ashes" chorus line, I that that would make me laugh. <laughs> Hi Ho Silver from Boone would be really. Funny. <laughs> And uh, what's the other one that I was thinking that's really stupid, oh pony by genuine really just or well the the version by far because it's so inappropriate, and if I was there, it would make me cry with laughter uh, it, so if there is if there is any like afterlife or angels or anything that like that i I'd, I'd beg. St Peter at the gates to go, Can I just go watch my funeral? I put a lot of work into it <laughs> and I'd, I you know I just want to go and see everyone's faces for when this well any of these songs kick in, and yeah, that'd be I'd probably go with ashes. I think ashes would be Mate. funny it'd fit as well, sort of it it fit my personality big loud <laughs> so, <laughs> Shinsuke Nakamura on the way in honestly something something by my friend Joe and his band, one of his bands in the middle I mean my father he, well both of them actually my mum she had uh, it was songs that me and my dad couldn't stand but we, because she used to play them all the time but she had Search for the Hero by M People bloody hell yeah and then Unchained Melody Oh, but it was the Robson and Jerome version of Unchained Melody. Oh, mate, yeah. I wish you had
1: Adams, I've got to put that on the fucking playlist now.
0: Yeah, um, well, just put mine on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she she had that, which we picked. We had we picked it because like, what songs did she like? I'm like, well, there's these ones.
1: Mm.
0: My dad, he had. I don't think we had one going in, but we had. These are the days of our lives by Queen. Oh, hell of a song. Hell of a song. And the fact that the obviously the if you've seen the video, the visuals of of yeah. that and it's it is basically it's a it's a goodbye letter from Freddie Mercury. Yeah, it is. It kinda of felt right playing the song that has the I still love you at the end as people yeah. are leaving. Yeah. And yeah, it was I can't remember what he went in with, probably something daft, motorhead or something like that. But that was definitely the one we played on the way out. And this was before churches had PA systems, I think, pretty much. Because I just remember having a little CD player in the corner. Yeah, yeah. I said I did the speech earlier on. I had a very, you'll like this, I had a very Father Dougal moment. The button (laughs) that um, drops the coffin is in the pulpit. Yes. Yes. In my internal monologue at the time, was when go, he wouldn't want everyone to be sad. Push the button, Carl. It's sort of bloody, 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 bloody. Go on, push it, it'll be funny. And then just that thing of, he'll think it was funny, he's not here. Go on, do it. Did you do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wish It's one of my regrets. I wish I had done because there's a great deal in my family I don't particularly get on with, and a lot of them were there. But I, I think if he'd have been there, he'd have laughed at me, going and da 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 da, smack button down. Yay! Brilliant. <laughs> Priest wouldn't have probably been happy with me, but no. That's his fault for leaving the button in front of you. Well, that's the thing, is it? Big red button. I looked at it and looked at him, and, and there was just this communica- non-vocal communication of yes, Carl, that is the button that you think it is. It's <laughs> like <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but that's 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 something I remember from that. I've been to a lot of funerals, to be honest. It's yeah. never f- never fun, but you kind of make the best of of what you can.
1: Yeah, and I think yours will be about as fun as it's possible for them today.
0: Two words. Uh, bouncy funeral. Bouncy funeral. Inflatable funeral. <laughs> uh. In a pool. Just... <laughs> no oh dear it's I want not- one of my friends to get super rich and successful cuz then they can pay for it. <laughs> yeah. It's a- I mean we we were talking the other day and this has just happened someone I know did pass away recently and they streamed the funeral because we mm. can't go at the moment.
1: Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. It's been happening a lot recently.
0: Yeah, I mean I I didn't I honestly didn't watch because I I found it a bit too upsetting to watch but I was thought I actually thought it was a very good thing, especially if you've got family in other countries and stuff like that. They can mm. they can attend, and obviously in these situations is hopefully one off as it is this situation that uh, they could do it. Because I I know you said you'd done a few that were like that.
1: Yeah, I've had them filmed and things like that as well. I've had one where the PA system was rigged to go outside as well as inside the creme so that people could stand in the car park socially distanced and listen to it when they couldn't fit mm. the number of people they wanted inside the crematorium itself. There's been some quite innovative stuff, actually.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I have been to one where more people turned up than we thought and I we it was sort of everyone was piled out of the creme and they ended up putting some speakers up so we could all hear the service, mm. and it didn't really work. So we were, i was just stood at the back going, "I cannot hear a thing," but I'm here, yeah, to pay my respects. And it, it, I think it caught the because it was a gentleman I used to live with when I lived above a pub. He was in one of the other rooms, an older gent. He came across very much like a loner, lovely chap, but very much he was used to being on his own. Yeah, and I think his—he saw he had kids, he saw them every so often. But he was. Uh, I think they were surprised at how many people who'd met him and adored him turned up to the to the service because there was a lot of us.
1: You can never predict with people.
0: No, absolutely not.
1: When I started out, I at funeral where I thought this lady was like one of the most popular ladies I'd, I'd ever do a funeral for, so I, I wrote into the script thanking the large number of people that had come, and hardly anyone turned up. So you can't predict. So I don't write scripts like that anymore.
0: No, when when my mother passed away, we took. I think we did it, we we did it like middle of the day on a weekday, mm. so we didn't just because the that was when the chapel was available. Yeah, um, and it was only a small chapel, so like not many people are going to come. Um, just you know, immediate family and things like that, but. Um, they ended up having to put about four more rows of chairs in because she'd met, obviously living in the local shop for 13 years. Yeah, she yeah. made friends with so many people, and we were stood there like, "This is brilliant," you know, that there's so many, so many people here, yeah. and yeah, it was, it was amazing, and it, it was very touching as well. Yeah, but yeah, you can never tell. No, you really
1: can't. <laughs> Well, Carl, it's been an incredible episode of the show. Thank you so much for being so candid. I knew, you know, that you'd lost your parents when you were young, and I wasn't sure how much you were going to talk about it. But the fact that you were so open about it, I think it will make a difference to some people listening in. I think.
0: I hope so. I say it's uh, it's been good to share. Mm. Thank you for having me on. So I've had the opportunity to do that. So, Carl, where can people find you on the internet? So, I am on a few different shows. I'm on Shipwrecked and Comatose with your good self. It's a bit different to this podcast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not as heavy going. No. Um, so, I'm on I'm on that one with yourself. I'm also on my own one called Cerebral Jukebox, uh, where I talk about song earworms that got stuck in people's heads. Also, I do a lot of other things. Like I say, I host short film nights and quiz nights and this, that, and the other. If you want to find any of these online, you can go to a, my All My Links page that I've got, which is all my links forward slash Mister Carl, and it's M-I-S-T-E-R. Brilliant. And before we go, last chance, any other plugs? I don't think it is. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Look after yourselves. All good advice, Carl. Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: I just want to say one more time thank you so much to Carl for being a brilliant guest on Life's Milestones. Candid, kind, open and honest and all the sad stuff kind of interspersed with some brilliant stuff too. Thank you Carl, you're brilliant. If you like what you heard, Carl and I have podcasted all over the We Made This Podcast network and beyond Carl is a regular guest host on Shipwrecked and Comatosed, which is a podcast about Red Dwarf, with me as one of the hosts. If you're interested in that, that's at Pod on Twitter. Carl has also been a guest on Paul Pass, which is a comic book show on the We Made This Podcast Network. If you're interested in that, at Paul Pass on Twitter. Carl was also a guest on SuperTap Film Club, which is a podcast I do outside of the network. And that's about kind of B-movies and martial arts movies and stuff like that. That's at TAT Club on Twitter. And Carl has also been a guest on my podcast, Don't Say the C Word. That's not running anymore, but it is still up on the We Made This Podcast Network. And on that one, Carl actually goes into more detail about what it was like living in a video shop growing up. And finally, I've been a guest on Carl's podcast. That one is called Cerebral Jukebox, at Cerebral Jukebox on Twitter. So, thank you for listening to Life's Milestones, and I'll see you in a fortnight. Life's Milestones is a podcast by me, Mark Adams. Follow me on Twitter, at MarkAdamsHC. That's also my handle for instagram if you're looking for my website it's www.humanist.org.uk forward slash mark adams if you're looking for my facebook it's mark adams humanist celebrant all the information on how to use me as your celebrant is there the show's social media is at life's milestones on twitter other than that i am just using my celebrant contacts for the show thank you for listening and we'll see you next time elsewhere on we made this
0: motion pictures cinemas reopening here and they have this list it's like 450 films or something you know you're talking about the empire strikes back the shining whatever they've got a big list of what they're allowed to show and there are some old films on there that are like pretty cringy today like things like breakfast and tiffany's where you have i don't know if you've seen that film i haven't no actually mickey rooney Mm. plays audrey hepburn's like japanese neighbor and this god it's probably one of my least favorite performances ever is this like Lawrence Olivier playing the um, the Su- Sudanese uh, like revolutionary in in Khartoum in the sixties, where it's, he was blacked off essentially? It's, it's terrible. It, it leans oh. into all the stereotypes. God. And... Right in the childhood.
1: So I've got lots of stuff like The Tripods, Dark Season, Brave Star, Nightmare, Robin of Sherwood, goodness knows what else that I'm going to be bringing to the table. None of which I've actually heard of. That's Good. not even, I was thinking I'd maybe, like when we start, came up with this idea, for. i thought, oh, no, know for you, none at all. So, you know, these are things roughly from 1981 to 1995. Whereas, what are you bringing to the table? For well, there? I'm glad you asked. I'm bringing Fairly Odd Parents, Power Rangers, Digimon, Drake and Josh, Recess and Lizzie McGuire for the first few. And then we'll get some more going. I've heard of Power Rangers. Yeah. So, are you saying you've not heard of these either? No.
0: We played this.
1: So, what is it about? Um, the final fantasy especially final fantasy 7 what what do you like about that series there's a lot that i like about the series i love the system of materia and how you can actually raise that up instead of improving certain stats well you can improve stats as well but that's not really where the focus is it's more about getting all of this magical energy up to its highest level and then it has babies and you have new ones and that's so adorable
0: (laughs) check out all of these shows and more on the we made this podcast network